It's time for the Worker of the Week Award. On the job. And I love the people I'm working with. With Francis Leach. No taking care of business. It's On The Job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you for the 99th edition of On The Job. We've almost got to 100. Um, so that's next week to worry about. Milestone in the offing. Uh, to celebrate, why not straight up and ask for it? Give us a review on your favourite platform so that people can find the pod and uh, push us up those gnarly podcast charts and uh, beat the tyranny of the algorithm, which is our job. So if you could do that, it would be greatly appreciated. Let's jump straight into it, though. Hey, as climate change becomes an even bigger thing in our lives, the intensity and frequency of floods, the threat of bushfire and other climate events is interrupting the way we live and work. You probably know someone who's been in this circumstance, whether they've been directly impacted by a flood or a fire. I've had to stop work, have had to move away from their family and job, who've lost their property, and as a consequence, have had to completely rearrange their lives. Climate change is changing the way we work. And I think most businesses and most working environments are a little slow on the uptake on how to deal with it but not the folks at the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. Now, obviously, these guys are fully engaged on the issue. It's what they do. But in their own working lives, they've had to deal with it too. And so what they've done is really, really interesting. Basically, they've managed in their most recent enterprise bargaining agreement to come up with a thing called a climate disaster leave policy. Fascinating. It really is. It's innovative, and it might in the future become, we hope so anyway, a much more prevalent part of the way people negotiate their working arrangements in their own lives. So let's catch up with Grace Vegasana, who is a climate and racial justice campaigner with the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, and talk to her about climate disaster leave policy. Grace, welcome to On The Job. Hi, thanks, Francis. Thank you for having me. For those of us who don't know about the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, tell us what you actually do. Yeah, so the AYCC stands for the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, with Australia's largest youth-run organisation with a focus on um, working on energy and broader transition away from fossil fuels to what a better future could look like. And we specifically focus on climate justice, which is looking at the different intersectional ways that climate change impacts young people's lives and our futures and livelihoods, whether that's social inequality, economic inequality, the different environmental ways that the world is transitioning due to the impacts of climate change. But yeah, the AYCC focuses on building a better future, really building the generation-wide movement to actually lead solutions to the climate crisis. Now, you've managed to change the workplace policies at the AYCC to incorporate climate change events that affect people working there. How did this come about and who was involved in making this happen? Part of the process of building this better future is also looking at what type of world that we want to work in and what um, starting to model the, the future that young people also want to inherit. Um, and part of that world is actually looking at different ways of um, future-proofing our workplaces and environments and um, the places that we live and like thrive in as well um, and so part of that was actually looking at the ways that the communities that we were hiring which were really deeply impacted by climate change um, such as my own community in western Sydney when during the black summer bushfires was absolutely ravaged by 
um, bushfires and then straight after that floods and heat waves. It was kind of this premise that as we hire people from more impacted communities and we build the community power and the youth power in impacted frontline communities that we also need to be resourcing those people to be looking after their communities and practicing community care. And so through the union, which was the ASU, um, the AYCC had been a unionised workplace, which is really wonderful. We have a really high union density, which means we have like a lot of young people who are unionised within the AYCC and a really strong and respected union culture as well with regular meetings. And one of these meetings happened in 2019 when we were seeing the impacts of the Black Summer bushfires and so many people from frontline communities that were working at the AYCC were like, I'm really overwhelmed that we have to work on climate and talk about climate change and communicate with the rest of the world while my community is also so deeply on fire. And this ranged from people who were Indigenous staff members um, within the AYCC, so they were Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, staff members whose country back home was actually on fire and they were removed away from that as they were working in cities and they really expressed a desire to return back to their country to look after their communities. There was young people who were from regional communities that um, felt like they really wanted to go back home to help their communities um, recover and rebuild and um, literally fight fires on some occasions. Um, but there was this huge gap in the way that we were hiring young people from frontline communities but not giving them the resources and the time and the space and the, the capacity that they needed to also be able to care for themselves in a changing world due to climate change. And so, yeah, they looked into the provisions that might allow them to um, go and do this work in their communities, but um, under broader Australian employment law, there wasn't any way that they could do that unless they were officially like working with um, sort of state-based or governmental organisations on community service leave, such as the RFS or the SES or um, Fire and Rescue, and that just wasn't what was working for their communities, especially in areas that were kind of black spots during Black, fire, um, black Summer bushfires, where um, there wasn't necessarily governmental support going back to the community. And so the union came together and formed this policy internally within the AYCC called the Climate Disaster Leave Policy. Um, and this was basically around actually recognising that the climate crisis is already impacting employees and the communities that they live in and are a part of. And as an organisation leading and representing young people focused on climate justice, that the AYCC would be committed to providing employees with the support that they needed when they were directly impacted by these experiences of climate disaster where they could take leave and actually go back to their communities, whatever community meant to them, um, and actually go and do that work for them themselves. It seems that the changes that you've seen in your own lives, quite, quite directly from uh, the implications of climate change, are being lived in the workplace. And younger people in particular are really keenly aware of how climate change and its impacts are going to affect all aspects of their lives. Can you give us a bit of a sense of, of just how that's played out in the conversations you've had with your workmates and how that's sort of fed into this, this leave arrangement that you've come up with? We weren't actually aware of any other place that offered leave like this. Um, and so when we were creating this policy, it was kind of from scratch and was really built of 
the vision and the lived experience of young people in the organisation who were experiencing these climate impacts in real time in their communities during Black Summer bushfires. Um, and so it was very much a vision that came out of the AYCC union. Um, there wasn't enough inspiration in the world outside of what was kind of being dreamed of in that room, on that Zoom at that point in time. And so, yeah, what it kind of came up with and the process we came up with was actually defining what climate disasters might actually look like. And we landed on bushfires, floods, heavy storms, cyclones, but um, at the discretion of the national director, there also may be the declaration that a climate disaster can include extreme heat waves, a higher extreme ultraviolet radiation index ratings and smoke hazards or excessive pollution. So if you were in places like Sydney, like me during black summer, um, you would have known that there was like blankets of smoke and it was just so difficult to breathe and actually even go out to work. And it was a genuine hazard to actually go outside. Um, and so that actually is part of included in this. So that's opportunities when you might need to just go and be back in your community and do what you need to do. Um, the process once that has been kind of declared and recognised um, by the organisation um, is that when there is circumstances when this extreme weather event is impacting an employee, a member of their family or the community that they belong to, um, and this can look like they grew up in that community or they have significant cultural connections or they identify as being a part of that community, um, they are entitled to one week, which is five days of paid climate disaster leave per calendar year with a pro rata entitlement for part-time employees. And so this doesn't accrue from year to year, but it actually can also be extended at the direction of the national director as well. So there's kind of like this process of you self-opting into what your community actually looks like and means to you. Um, you are experienced a recognised climate disaster and then you're able to work flexibly or take that paid time off as well. We actually passed the climate disaster leave internally outside of our EBA process um, in 2019, I believe, and then we um, actually signed off on our new EBA enterprise bargaining agreement uh, about two weeks ago um, with the Fair Work Commission coming back to us as part of climate disaster leave integrated into our EBA, which is really, really exciting. Um, but yeah, I've actually taken it myself um, during the recent floods that happened in um, New South Wales, where my community in Western Sydney was also being impacted by flooding and just like had to flag that that was the thing that was going on and took about half a day off just to do some flood, um, like clean up work in my community, which was great. But the process is pretty transparent from an internal perspective of like I think the organization is already so aware that climate change is a thing and it needs to be um, kind of a process that is also strengthening employee relationships with the organization to be able to do the work in their own communities as we do the work in other communities um, through paid work as well and so recognizing that kind of marrying up of um, obligation of employers but also obligation that we have to our communities and the work that we do more broadly and so yeah there has been uptake in it I think it's really important for the recognition that um, support for communities during climate disasters doesn't necessarily just look like the volunteering for a government organization like the RFS or the SES it can also look like mutual aid it can also look like supporting their own community in the ways that that looks like for them um, and the people around them.
it's really fascinating because it, it seems that this movement that you're part of is really gaining momentum. And in a sense, you're being proved right every time there is one of these horrific events. It's a terrible way to be right, I know, but it's true. Um, do you get a sense that the momentum is going to see considerable and systemic change that really will change the nature of work itself? And, you know, not just for people here in Australia, but, you know, more widely, do you see that change being a global thing? Yeah, um, so we've had a lot of um, other organisations in the progressive movement space show interest in climate disaster leave and actually looking at the ways that they can pick it up and adapt it to their organisations and their contexts and their communities, which is really exciting. We also had the Australian, uh, as in the newspaper, um, the Australian, pick it up and run that story as well, which was quite an interesting angle that they took of really youth organisations leading the way on adapting to how work looks like in a new world. And so there is change that's happening, but it's definitely not as, it's not being taken up in the ways that we need to in the the trajectory that our world is changing. Um, I think our world is changing so much and so drastically and so fast that the way that we work and the way that we support employees to live in this changing world also really needs to change as well. Well, it really does. I mean, there's no doubt that the world of work is being impacted by climate change. And there are a number of reports now that have been written about that, whether it's you're working outdoors, uh, you know, for instance, if you're working in infrastructure, or you're working on roads and, you know, you can't work at the height of summer. So you, your hours shift or you're working indoors in an environment where uh, there isn't the capacity to keep people cool. So, you know, the, the, the work environment is becoming untenable. So there are all these different changes within the, the climate, climate change space that are happening but then as you said those crisis moments as well are fundamentally changing the way people work and I guess also robbing people of work as climate change happens and and climate emergencies happen uh, you know whole communities suffer uh, when jobs disappear businesses disappear uh, you know uh, resources disappear Uh, it's a really big shift that's happening yeah absolutely I think the the climate like impacts that we're seeing in our day-to-day lives are really drastically impacting people who have done the least to cause the problems that we're experiencing, whether that's low-income communities, whether that's people who um, don't have housing and are forced to live outside, and um, there are people who um, work in outdoor jobs or more like sort of less weather-resistant jobs, um, such as tradies or people who build the infrastructure that we need for a better future. Um, that are really deeply having their work impacted. And I think we've also seen a shift through the last few years of actually people opting to work from home and um, what that might look like. And that's also a part of our um, climate disaster leave policy is that if there is weather events, um, particularly around like smoke or extreme heat, people can work from home and that's something that's really available to them where in this changing world, they need to have the spaces that they feel safe and that they feel like they can still live and survive, if not thrive in, um, as they do the work to build that better world as well. And Grace, one of the things that must be really satisfying is it will give people a sense of progress, uh, young people in particular taking control of this issue and reshaping the world of work to the reality that they face. Yeah, absolutely. I think I the Australian Youth Climate Coalition is based around the premise that young people inherit the world that we um, 
make now and that the future the future is really dependent on the choices that we make now um and this is really a vision and a mission to build this movement of young people leading solutions to the climate crisis so young people have the most to lose from global warming but we also have the most to gain and climate change is both a crisis but an opportunity to create this world that actually works for everyone who the world isn't just built for the few that can already thrive and adapt and benefit from the changing world that we're seeing but actually that young people everywhere can actually live and thrive in this better future and work in the jobs that they want to work in and care for their communities and build stronger more resilient more connected communities that are joyful and feel like they are able to rely on their neighbors when things happen and so this vision is for a fair and just world and that actually starts with the, peop- the way that we treat young people employed in these industries and who are doing the work and the emotional labour to also be um, supporting other young people to build this movement all around us as well. It's a wonderful innovation and it's wonderful to see the Australian Youth Climate Coalition leading the way on what I think is going to become a very common feature of workplace agreements uh, as, as we move into the future given the reality of climate change and our response to it. Grace, thank you so much for being on the job and, and sharing that information with us. Thanks so much for having me, Francis. That's Grace Vigasana there, who's a climate and racial justice campaigner with the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. You can go to their website, www.aycc.org.au, to find out more about their, their climate disaster leave policy and more generally about the work they're doing in relation to uh, dealing with climate change and uh, a future where we have green industries, good, clean green jobs that are union jobs and secure jobs, a new start, a new future for the Australian economy. The best way to get involved in all that, of course, is to become a union member. Uh, And not just a member, but an active one. AustralianUnions.org.au is where you go to do that. My name's Francis Leach. It's been another great edition of On The Job. Thank you for listening and be there next week for our 100th episode. Bye for now.